0: It's time for JT the Brick. Welcome in to our brand new coverage. We need to come in hardcore. Raiders got a bunch of guys. Back in the old days, they had legends. He gets the Raiders. He understands the Raiders. He's going to be a great Raider. Well, show it to me. No penalties. The only holes that I see on this team are linebackers. There's going to be some moments this year that are going to be top sledding. Okay, one of them could be now. I got it all for you. Keep it PG. No, never happened. I'd like to get this show going the way I know how to get the show going. Our standard is high. We coming. It's time to fire this thing up. What the hell are you listening to? Who are you getting this garbage from? J.T. The Brick. Hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We are ready to rock. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Are you with me? One guy kind of throws the fuel into the fire. So sound off like you got up here and get going. Use the phone like a weapon. We need to leave a wake of destruction. That's all I had this week for you. And now, Raider Nation unite.
1: Here's JT the Brick.
0: Welcome back. Hour number two brought to you by Commissario Tequila. What a great, proud partner. And tomorrow, Gavin Maloof. Uh, one of the owners of the company will join us in studio to talk about the tequila brand here. We are looking into what happened in Buffalo for the Raiders as we open up this hour of the show. And we are ready to roll. Sam Munson joins us as he does on Mondays. We appreciate him from Pro Football Focus. He'll come up here momentarily. We'll talk to him every Monday. And then we'll start to get ahead of the Pittsburgh game coming up on Sunday after today. Today I call it the aftermath that they lose roll up our sleeves, and we talk about why. Why and how come the Raiders, were they not ready to play? It looks like it, but they should have been ready to play because they were in West Virginia for a week to get their body clock ready and to be ready for a game like that. So they should have been ready, and they didn't play like they were ready. They were dominated after going up 7-0, and I love that opening drive. I thought they came to play. Great energy. The sideline was erupting when they scored And you knew Buffalo was going to chip away and come back in the game, but the big takeaway for me is that they couldn't get the running game going and they couldn't stop the running game of the Buffalo Bills. That wasn't Earl Campbell there on the other side. All right, we'll get to all of that. Mondays with Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus. Sam, I want to begin with the Bengals who are 0-2, and I'm concerned because of the calf injury. A lot of athletes in the NBA and the NFL, as you know, when they have that type of injury, it gets worse if they don't shut it down. What's the concern around the Bengals organization? Sam, are you there? Yeah, hello. Okay, okay I got you, Sam. Go ahead. Uh, what's the concern around the injury to Joe Burrow here, considering Cavs could lead to something else?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely concerning, particularly uh, just the length of time that he's now been dealing with that. Um, when he first injured it, when the video surfaced of him, you know, pulling up lame at the start of training camp, he already had a sleeve on that calf. You know, this wasn't the first time that something was going on with that calf injury. It, at, at the very minimum, you know, he'd felt a twinge or there had been a tweak before, and then he did the, the serious pull strain during that early training camp spot. And then it's it's back for week one. It's now sort of reaggravated. I mean, that's six weeks. Of, of the same calf injury effectively for Joe Burrow. And given the start that they've had, I think that's hugely concerning. You know, 0-2 is not good, but we've seen them crawl out of that hole before. 0-2 with both losses within the division is even worse. And then 0-2 division losses and Joe Burrow is now dealing with this lingering um, calf injury. I, I think that's pretty concerning for Cincinnati.
0: Sam, I love Baker Mayfield in this past game. I thought winning in Minnesota took the edge off. That's a great win. Anytime you can win, beat the Vikings in their building is big. He comes home for the home opener and beats the Bears by 10. I thought the ball came out good when I saw the highlights, his command to the pocket. Was he really good or the Bears just that bad?
1: Uh, a bit of both. I think Baker Mayfield is playing very well right now. I mean, this is the best version of Baker Mayfield we've seen since you know, his last healthy season in Cleveland. Um, and there's more on the bone. You know, he missed a couple of throws in that game against Chicago as well. That uh, missed one that cost him points, uh, an overthrow on what should have been a touchdown catch to Chris Godwin, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, Baker Mayfield is, is playing well, but almost nothing is going right for Chicago at the moment. Um, they're, they're struggling on both sides of the ball.
0: Is hate on the quarterback, what are you hearing from within the organization when you look at the tape of Fields and his ability to run? I mean, he's a guy, even if he gets better in the pocket, which he's supposed to, he's supposed to evolve. You want him running a lot. You want him tucking and running. He can gain 30 yards on any given run. Where is he at with his legs so far this year?
1: Yeah, you also want to be dialing up runs for him as well, not just relying on him doing it as a scrambler. You know, They had this epiphany halfway through last season that they should be dialing up design runs for Justin Fields. And he went from having less than 20 yards through the first six weeks on design carries to that became a consistent part of every single game plan. And, you know, he had up to a hundred plus in certain games on those design runs. They've called four runs for Justin Fields so far this season. And one of them was a quarterback sneak. So for some reason they've forgotten all of the lessons that it took them half a season to learn last season, and it's kind of gone back to what it looked like at the start of the year. I don't know if that's the, like the offense that they believe is optimal and what they're trying to get towards, but last season those design runs helped Justin Fields get more comfortable and get in a situation where he could potentially get better as a passing quarterback. It buys him more wiggle room. So to take them off the table again I think is just um, self-sabotage. I don't think it's helping anything.
0: Sam Munson, pro football focus. Let's go to the Jaguars and what Doug Peterson must see coming off that game. It's a home opener, Sam. That's got to be big. I, I know Kansas City got Kelsey and Jones back and then helped them out, but nine points total, no touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence, none, 216 yards. Looking at the tape, what was the problem with the Jaguars getting in a rhythm with all those offensive weapons?
1: Honestly, I think they were so much closer than, than the sort of scoreline that stats suggest. I mean, Trevor Lawrence put the ball in his receiver's hands in the end zone, I think, four separate times, and they just couldn't quite get feet down. Or it was a hair, you know, beyond the, the back corner of the end zone and didn't quite come down as a score. But, I mean, razor-thin margins on four separate occasions to putting up a touchdown and, and becoming, you know, toe-to-toe with the Chiefs over the course of that game. And you're right, like those two players coming back to Kansas City, you could argue were literally the difference in the game. Travis Kelsey had one of those plays where he just finds space uh, and is on the same wavelength as Travis Kelsey in a way that only he really is able to do of that uh, group of receivers. That was a touchdown for Kansas City. And then Chris Jones, his biggest plays came in massive, high-leverage situations, a mm-hmm. fourth down, at midfield, he got a sack. It was a third and ten, uh, I think, later in the game, where he gets a, a big hit on um, Trevor Lawrence and, and ruins that drive as well. So, you know, two of their best three players came back into the lineup and on both sides of the ball made huge impact.
0: Uh, Sam Munson joins us. Sam, as I sit in Vegas with you every Monday, to see Josh Jacobs have nine carries from minus two yards, that's alarming because the Raiders went up 7 nothing in Buffalo, and then the Bills just steamrolled them after that. We knew that we're going to see Josh Allen have a bounce-back game, but I didn't think the Bills would be able to run the ball that dramatically on Las Vegas, and Vegas couldn't get the running game going.
1: Yeah, it was a a strange um, game in, in those terms because the Vegas offensive line has been in doing pretty well recently. I and mean, in pass mm-hmm. blocking in this game, it did very well still. Um, it, it just – they didn't have the running lanes. I mean – Josh Jacobs, he said, had minus two yards. I think he had double-digit yards after contact. So it took him, he had to get, you know, double-digit yards after contact just to get back to a two-yard loss over the course of all of his carries. He had no running room whatsoever over the course of that game. Um, and it happened kind of across the board. The breakdowns were just everywhere. And his day was made even worse in the past game by, you know, getting mossed by Matt Milano, taking the ball literally right over his head Um, On what should have been a routine catch ends up being an interception.
0: Sam, it's fascinating to me when I look at these running backs because Barkley got hurt in that game. But what a comeback for the Giants because Josh Jacobs didn't play well and Barkley gets hurt. It'll probably keep him out of the 49er game. But for the Giants to have the worst loss in franchise history, no debate, and then their greatest comeback since 1949 in a matter of a week, that's very dramatic for any football team to have to go through
1: yeah that game was crazy. I mean, you know you hear that cliche a game of two halves. there's very few games that were as clear an example of that. Um, half time they were getting annihilated again by the Cardinals, who people expect to be the worst team in the NFL this season. They couldn't get anything going on offense they couldn't stop a pretty weak Arizona offense, and it looked like more of the same from that dallas game and then Something changed in halftime. Um, they they got a big play, you know, almost right out of the gate, coming out of the half to, to Jalen Hyatt deep down the field, and that seemed to kind of galvanize Daniel Jones, who pulled himself together and started making some big throws down the field, started hitting open receivers over the middle, and it all just kind of came together. And then the other element of it is the Giants' defense held in the second half. I mean, Arizona didn't score again. They went 28 Seven, I think, up, and then the final score was 31-28. They didn't score again. So, really wild game of two halves where the Giants in the first half looked abject, but in the second half, it looked a lot more like the team from a year ago.
0: PFF underscore Sam, a must-follow. Sam Munson joins us from Pro Football Focus as we wrap it up. I saw your tweet here on Bijan Robinson. We were talking about these other running backs. Man, how good is he when you look at the tape? What's with the first step, the power moving the chains? What have you seen so far early for this team and this player?
1: I mean, every time I watch B. John Robinson, I'm more impressed than I was mm. the previous time. And I already thought he was, uh, you know, the best running back to enter the NFL since Adrian Peterson. But he's just phenomenal. Like every, he makes everything look so smooth so easily. He reminded me a lot of the draft of with Damian Tomlinson, just that effortless ability to move and to do everything extremely well. And in the NFL, we're seeing it. I mean, he looks absolutely incredible. And the only limit to his play right now is, you know, either an injury, hopefully that doesn't happen, or how much they give some of his workload to Tyler Algier and kind of keep him fresh.
0: Uh, Sam, last one on the Broncos and Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. I think it's getting chippy for Peyton to go to the podium and talk about maybe putting a wristband on him, and the fact that he doesn't think they're getting it in the, out of the huddle on time. They had to burn some timeouts, and then Russ went on after him, and Russ didn't think it was the end of the world. There, what are you hearing? What needs to happen here at the line of scrimmage for Russell Wilson to get more comfortable so the Broncos can get off the snide?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I, I think you know if, if anyone read that profile that Seth Wickersham wrote on um, Sean mm-hmm. Payton he was so big on needing a fast start, you know, needing to get out to a couple of good wins early to settle everybody down and take the pressure off to, you know, give him breathing room essentially to sort of make this thing work. And he, he was very big on that being an important part of his new Orleans Saints tenure when he first got the job. And I think you really wanted that to happen in Denver. And obviously it's been close, but no cigar and they've lost both those games instead I think he's just feeling the pressure now, maybe self-imposed pressure. But you know, he's feeling that everything is going against him, and that this isn't going the way he wanted it to, and that these thin margins have still come down on the other side of things. And sure, Russ hasn't been perfect, but I, I think there are other issues there as well. And you know, maybe they are going to try and, and speed things up and simplify the play calls and all these kinds of things. But I think there's other wins that they could have as well. Uh, the rookie Marvin Mims, he ran like 15 rounds and two of them were 50 yard bombs. So I, I think there's other things that could be done to help this offense have some more production rather than just, you know, giving, getting Russ on the, the remedial play call sheet.
0: Thank you, Sam. Always appreciate talking to you on Monday. means a lot. Thank you.
1: Anytime. Take it easy.
0: Yes, we'll have him in the slot. Every Monday, and we appreciate him coming on here because he's important. We want to have a national respect for this show, talk about other teams other than the Raiders. I'm not going to sit here and talk about the Raiders every day for two hours if they lose a game badly. There are other games. We're going to preview Monday Night Football. We're going to get into Monday Night Football deep. We're going to look at other storylines. We did that week one with the Aaron Rodgers injury. So that's Sam Munson. Every Monday, Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, he will join us. At the bottom of the hour. So stick around for that. Let's keep going. Appreciate everybody being patient. Snow Raider in Tahoe. What's happening? Appreciate you calling.
2: Hey, thanks, Bobby. Thanks, JT. Uh, Big Blue here. I'm looking at it right now. Big Blue Lake says it's best. Yeah, disappointing yesterday for sure. You can't leave our defense out like that to hang out to dry, especially when no one's making any impact plays and Crosby's getting double-teamed. Uh, outside of the first ten minutes, like you were saying, they just kind of lost that body language and so forth. So I agree with Chris with w- West Oakland earlier. We we need players to make plays. Even Lincoln Kennedy always says, your star's got to shine. Well, we're drafting a number seven. I'm not saying he's going to get ten sacks in his first couple games, but we got to get some more production out of our top draft picks. And I'm really curious to see how the leaders are going to respond. I think... Uh, we're going to watch Pittsburgh tonight, a classic rivalry. Mm-hmm. We've got to get excited about uh, our home opener. I'm sure Pittsburgh has that circle like, oh gosh, now we've got to open a home opener for the Raiders. Let's take advantage of that. We'll throw this game out, go back to the drawing book, and execute, like you say. Execute. Raider Nation, we're still 1 and 1. Let's
0: go, Raiders. Yeah, that's one of the ways of looking at it. That's a positive phone call from a positive Raider fan. Sky isn't falling, it's just a bad loss. And there's been bad losses before. You just don't want to have a number of bad losses on the schedule this year. Remember last year playing Kansas City to a one point game in a game that the Raiders could have and should have won? There was a lot to build off of that, but it was a loss. This franchise is defined by their victories, commitment to excellence. Just win, baby, counts around here. So when you have a loss, you can look at the loss and say, what happened? It was one play. It was two plays, and we could have won the game. I think fans understand that. But when you were never in the game after the first drive and the first five plays and you never gave yourself a chance to win after that, that's not good. And that's got to change. I'm watching Raiders press conference live now. We just recorded it. It's on Fox 5 for our Vegas audience here. Eric Allen was worked up. In a good way. Eric Allen's one of the nicest, calmest guys that I know. And he looked at the tape. He came in, the guy preps hard, and he basically said there are games where, you know, you're one or two plays off and you lose. This was not the case. This was a bad, bad loss. Thirty eight to ten is uncompetitive in this league. And for the Raiders to go up seven nothing and to score three points and to not score in the third quarter, coming out of halftime with adjustments, the game got away from them. And I know the coaches are going to work really hard, very hard to get them back on track because you got to, you got to play a good game. You play once a week. I'm really big on that numbers side of it, right? 39 plays, 19 minutes. You went away all week to West Virginia, 24 hours a day times six days. Add up all those minutes and the Raiders played 19 minutes of football. 1956 in possession after getting out of Vegas the entire week. You got to be better than that, man. Everybody knows that. It's not hard to be better than that. They've got to bounce back. Nick in Long Island. Good to hear from you, Nick, my home dirt. How are you?
3: Good. How are you? You know, bad loss yesterday. You know what? Schedule comes out. You see at Denver at Buffalo. First two weeks, you go one and one, you take it. I would have taken it back then when it came out. I would have taken it whenever, two weeks ago. Um, as you were just talking about, though, there is a little bit of a disturbing trend, though, just going back to even the end of last year, the Rams game, the Steelers game last week, and now yesterday, scoring on the opening drive looking like it's so easy and it's going to be a great game. And then not much happens after those, those opening drives, and it's, and it's now a trend. It's happening way too often. It's, we're getting bad interceptions are being thrown, and it's complimentary football, too, because we haven't addressed the defensive tackle issue now. We have no defensive tackles. We can't get off the field. We can't get off the field on third downs. We we can't generate a pass rush. We have not enough playmakers on the field, on the defensive side of the ball, and we're paying a guy like Chandler Jones $17 million against the cap. Hunter Renfro is making 8% of the cap, and and they're not contributing right now for whatever reason. But I just want to say one other thing. You have these people now, they're going to call up. They're going to talk about Josh McDaniels, how he's a horrible guy, a horrible human being. The players hate him because Brandon Marshall – who played for him in 2009, who was a bad guy himself, who all of a sudden is a changed man. He's a, but Josh McDaniels isn't allowed to change, I guess. Nobody could change. Brandon Marshall's allowed to change. He's allowed to go on TV and his podcast showing how horrible Josh McDaniels. is. If these players didn't like Josh McDaniels, we would know what was going on with Shane Jones right now. If that building wasn't unified, it would have taken more than three months for the Jimmy Garoppolo contract um, change to be leaked out. Nobody knew what happened. There was a delay for a day for the press conference. It was obviously something was going on with that contract. Mm. Nobody knew what happened. It took three months for the media to get a hold of it. Nobody knows what's going on with Chandler Jones. The building is Mm -hmm. unified. You can say many things about what's going on right right now, whether it's on the field or off the field, but that that is a fact. It's a lazy narrative that Josh McDaniels is a terrible guy and his players don't like him. I
0: appreciate that. Look, I'm not commenting on Chandler Jones for a number of reasons. A number of reasons. Number one, it's a private matter, and everybody could. look at what's what's on Twitter or what's on social media and see what's happening with that young man. I'd be very concerned for him if I was his family and friends. That's the way I'd handle that if it was someone in my family or someone in your family. That's the way I would handle that. You know me by now. I'm not going to gossip about someone in the family of the Raiders and how difficult this situation is. But it hasn't been a distraction as far as I can see. But I like Chandler Jones. I think he's a hell of a player. He had similar stats to Michael Strahan, who has a gold jacket at the same time in their careers. I mean, this guy's a really good player, and they could use him. They could have used him here, but as you can tell, as you can tell from the Raider organization and how they're handling this, it's a private matter. And thanks to all the Raider fans who get that, who get that. that. Nick in Long Island's a good guy. He calls in a lot. He gets it. I mean, there's nothing to dive into here. If you're an adult and you look at social media and you're looking at this, you get what's going on. It's unfortunate. Wish it didn't happen at this time because I was really pulling for Chandler. I think last year as I chronicled, his legs, didn't, his legs never activated like a boxer for about four or five games. And then when they did, he was much improved against the run. He made some big plays, and I was looking forward to seeing him play this year. If you go back in the hot tub time machine, would you want to have this contract? No. And you wouldn't be wanting to go through what the Raiders are going through now. But they're handling it in-house like a family. And I don't know what's going to happen next. Sometimes, you know, I'm always telling you the truth. If I know something, I'll let you know. But if I know something in the building off the record, like my conversation with Max Crosby today face-to-face, that's not going on the radio. But Max fired me up because he's ready to go. Chandler Jones, what I know off the record is not going on the radio. And I don't know much. I really don't. Not a lot of people around here know what's going on with Chandler Jones, but it's very unfortunate that it happened now because we wanted to see him play and we wanted to see him play great because once a Raider, always a Raider is a really big deal. And you know, Mark Davis treats it that way. But from time to time, some players have personal problems that are much bigger than football. And I'm sensing that's what's happening here. 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by the M Resort Spa Casino, one of our many casino corridor properties that partner with me and Lotus Broadcasting for a number of reasons. They are the partner for Once a Raider, Always a Raider. So here's what we got going on. Fred Bolitnikoff is going to join me on Wednesday. So we're going to have Freddie be on Wednesday. And then Saturday night, Man, this is a great event. I spent a lot of time at the Palms. I got a place there. I've had it there for a long time. I've been at the Palms for most of my time here in Vegas. So I'm a supporter of the Palms. And Fred Bolitnikoff will have an event Saturday night, September 25th. This is Saturday night before the game from 5 to 8 p.m. The cover is only $25. And it goes to the Bolitnikoff Foundation. I mean, that is a tiny cover to be on the roof of the Palms during sunset. All right? During the first Raider game. And the Black Hole's got a lot of events going on. A lot of our friends are doing other events. We're going to promote them all. But this is the one I'm going to be at. I'm going to MC, And what it is going to be is a Q&A with Freddie and myself. You know, I have one dad. No one will ever beat my dad. Fred's like a second dad to me. I talk to him every day. We're going to have a light conversation. We're going to have some beverages. The Bolitnikoff wines will be in play. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want to come up there, the Ghost Bar is a nice place to hang out for a couple hours, especially during sunset. And this town looks great on sunset, and the ghost bar looks right out at the Strip. So come on out. Shake hands. If you can come for an hour, you come for 30 minutes, you come for three hours. We're going to be there the whole time, and Fred knows how to have a good time. When we come back, Harry Ruiz joins us. I wonder if Harry has the edge that I have. He calls the Raider games. Harry Ruiz will call the Spanish version of the Raiders broadcast against the Steelers. Man, I'm going to pump him up. That's a great opportunity for Harry, who provides a lot of content in this building now for Silver and Black Productions. we got about a half hour to go. Phones are strong today. Let's keep it up. I didn't do. Lot, you know, what I mean, like I said, they got good players, and um, they didn't line up in a new front. They didn't play a new defense, you know what I mean? So, uh, again, I have to take a look at the film to see if they were doing anything subtly different. Uh, but we got to be able to, you know, block people and get the runner started. I thought a lot of times we just didn't, we didn't, we couldn't even really get, you know, get into the line of scrimmage without being touched. So, um, again, I, that's, you know, I, I take responsibility for all of that, and, and I'm gonna have to do a better job of figuring out what we need to do uh, to get J.J. going. It's Josh, me Daniels from earlier today. That's a big moment for him to say you know, he owns it. It's on him, but how do you get him to the point where he's not touched at the line of scrimmage? There was one play there and I got to find the exact play. I didn't know if they wanted a middle screen, but it was a handoff that he got blown up, Josh behind the line of scrimmage and Andre James didn't block anybody. Like literally he didn't block anybody and they came up the middle. I mean, the breakdowns of the offensive line, and as Sam Munson joined us from Pro Football Focus, he's been very positive about the Raiders' offensive line improving. He has. He said that this team has been graded well in the Denver game, and this was a step back as Harry Ruiz joins us, voice of the Raiders on the Spanish side. And, Harry, that's got to be frustrating to you after the Raiders won that first game in Denver, get off to a 7 nothing lead, and then nothing happens after that. How'd you see it?
4: Yeah, it was a perfect start. First off, thanks, JT, for having me. Shout out to Bobby as well. Um, It was a perfect start. You score a touchdown, you go down the field, you get in the end zone, you get up on the scoreboard, and then you get a three and out on defense. And it's like, yo, you know what? We might have a chance on this one. But then the first interception of three turnovers total ended up happening. And the Raiders simply weren't able to even be competitive in the line of scrimmage. You mentioned that first play right off the bat. First down, first and ten, and Josh gets touched right after he gets the ball off of Jimmy G. And Josh ends up, for the first time in his career, in the negative gain side of things when it comes to rushing. And it's like the Raiders just weren't able to get going after that. And then, uh, I know that you mentioned, and yeah, it's a clobbering of the Bills over the Raiders, but just go to that last offensive drive the Raiders had in the first half, where they stopped the Bills on fourth and goal. They got the ball. They weren't able to move the chains. And if they had been able to move the chains, you could have gone into the dressing room down by two possessions, down by 11 points, down by eight, or even if you scored a touchdown down by four. With a three and out, you gave the ball back to the Bills. They took advantage, and they went up 21-10. to So it it was just a, a very difficult game all around for the Silver and Black.
0: Yeah, very difficult. I I think the defensive tackle position, Harry, is a cause for concern for me. I'm not looking for Daryl Russell in his prime. I'm not looking for Chester McLaughlin, uh, Otis Sistrunk, go down the road. But these guys got to play better. They're in a rotation. They don't have to play every play. And I think they have to have more of a burst. We need to see some of those guys flash up front. If it's not a rookie, it's got to be the veterans that are here and have a roster spot here, because they've been trying for a while via the draft and free agent to get guys to stick here. Jerry Tillery, Bilal Nichols, they have to play better.
4: Absolutely, and definitely Jerry Tillery was a guy that I have, I still have high hopes on, and he has been moved around the defensive line with the absence of Chandler Jones, so there's movement right there, but... Jerry Tillery, he's usually down in the middle, and I think he uh, unlocked something on that Raiders defensive line late last year when he arrived from Los Angeles. Uh, This season, we've seen movement with him, but yes. Jerry Tillery, Bilal Nichols, even the newcomers, John Jenkins and Adam Butler, when they're in there in the rotation, you're expecting more from them because if they can't put that pressure up the middle, then that means that when they rush the ball and they can do it through there, they can do it through there. When they're able to have that blocked up the middle, that gives more options for the quarterback to step forward and get his game going, even if you got Max Trosby coming in from one side. So it's just... All around the defensive line and the offensive line for the Raiders, they were manhandled. And I hope this is the punch in the gut that they needed to be like, hey, we need to go out there and we got to do that for the opposing team.
0: Harry Ruiz joins us every other Monday. Yeah, the Raiders didn't score in the second half. And that skews all the stats. So you look at the numbers, 17 points in Denver. They ran out the clock with Jimmy G sliding in bounds. And that wasn't a great game. They weren't an elite team in that game. But against Denver, the defense got off the field, and they had some big stops. That wasn't the case. There's nothing to look at defensively here. There's some bright moments, a couple plays, Diablo, Spillane here, whatever it is. But overall, the unit is down after that performance. I mean, they just gave up 17 points. They were run over on the defensive side, and the offense didn't score. So after we get behind this game, Harry, we're going to see the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight. You remember last year, T.J. Watt, uh, Christmas Eve. Raiders had that game, and they didn't close it out. This is a game that they must close out, and I think they have to play with a lead.
4: Absolutely. And that's what you got to do out here in Las Vegas. Go out there. Uh, and then the second week in a row, JT, that your, your opposition is playing on Monday Night Football, that they're on a short week, that you're on a regular week. So the Raiders have to take advantage of that. Of course, the Steelers, we saw them uh, on opening day uh, getting whooped by the 49ers 30 to 7 they've struggled to move the chains they struggle to get anything going let's see how they do tonight against the browns but i think this is prime uh, opportunity for the silver and black on prime time with their fans in the stands the home opener everything is on their side and they want to get that bad taste out of their mouth of this past game just being completely the opposite of they wanted they want to go out there and not only compete they want to win. They weren't able to do either of them on week two against, uh, of course, this, the, yeah. the Bills. But you go back to week one; they competed and they won. So that's what you want them to do this Sunday night on Sunday Night Football here at Allegiant.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up. So Harry, going forward, Eric Allen told me this today. He expects a hard week of coaching. These coaches coach hard every day. That they live here; they don't barely leave the building. But I think this is a good week to get back into the face of some of these players who just aren't, they haven't shown up yet. Some have, some are playing well, others better than others, but I think this team needs a real big wake-up call and a pushback right here and a hard week of practice and knowing that that whole week, that whole week in West Virginia, other than so-called quote-unquote bonding, nothing came out of it at all. Matter of fact, they played a terrible game. So the big week to push the players and have them ready to go. How do you see it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it has to be. It has to be coaching. It has to be in the meeting rooms. It has to be out at the practice field. This team has to unite. This team has to learn a lesson from this game against the Bills, not just burn the tape and keep going forward as if nothing had happened. No, you got to learn. You got to see what happened there. This is the most points the Raiders have allowed since December in 2021, when the Chiefs put 40 plus on the silver and black. That can't happen again. And look, I know the defense didn't look good, but when the offense can't be on the field for 20 minutes, and that means that your opposition is on the field for 40-plus, your defense is going to be gassed you have to put your defense in a better position and you won't win games scoring 10 points. I think we were on the right side of things against the Broncos where 17 were enough. but when you go against a team like Buffalo, you need to put points up on the scoreboard. You need to move the chains and hopefully this week at practice, everybody is in their A game and everybody is able to turn things around uh, for the Raider Nation that's going to be out there in the stands. There's a big stretch coming up, JT, with this home game against the Steelers and then a home game on the road against the Chargers, where you know Raider Nation is going to invade, if you're able to get out of this with a plus 500 record, you're in a good spot.
0: See you, Harry. Thank you. I'll see you a bunch this week. Appreciate you coming on.
4: Absolutely, brother. Have
0: a great week. There's Harry Ruiz. We get a Mondays. Every other Monday we have Harry, then we have Mark Anderson from the AP. Raider man coming off the loss, heading into the Pittsburgh game. Go ahead. Thanks for waiting.
5: What's going on, JT? You already know I'm lumped up, man. I jumped out in front of this shark. I did my best to poke the bear and wake that thing up. And I knew it was going to wake up and bite. You know what I mean? I was in for a win. I, you got nothing to lose as a Raider fan. It would be wonderful to see that thing translate to the damn organization again, though. Because, I mean, you know, been a fan so long at a certain point, you know, you get sick and tired of being the teeth. And, you know, that's kind of how I feel in a certain sense because none of this stuff really makes any sense. And I'm not in there trying to apply common sense where stuff don't make no sense at all. Uh, I heard you mention about your, uh, your program and stuff coming up. Before I jump into my car real quick, I wanted to shout out Coach Freddie B, man. Much respect to Coach because all these years, that brother's always held it down as a pinnacle uh, uh, figure of the Raider Nation. And you know to see all of the different things that he's grown through, you know personally. I don't know him, know him like that. I, I've had the honor of meeting him, shaking his hand, that kind of stuff. I don't know, you know, it was just and, and supporting his causes, you know, especially as far back as the, with the Tracy uh, thing. But it's just like you said, a father figure. We only give one man. And shouts out to Coach Freddie B. Shouts out to your dad, man. And shout, happy, you know what? Happy uh, heavenly birthday to my dad. Cause it would be his birthday today, but that's not what this call is about. This weekend, I got to watch history because another prime time father got out there and did his thing. Shouts out, Booty Booty University, Colorado Buffs. Yes, I'm riding the bandwagon, too, but it's well-deserved bandwagon, and it's bigger than that. You know, that, that organization is setting the pinnacle for college football right now, and it's good for the sport. It's really, really good for, for, for youth sports. It's good for everything. It's a great example, and people should be paying a closer attention to it than trying to pick it apart. You know, uh, this weekend was really, really disappointing for me, man. And and it's it's bigger than the fact that we got our asses kicked out there. You know, the opening drive, in my mind's eye, that's an indication of the job that Josh McDaniels is doing. Because as a Raider fan, it's easy for us to keep just picking people apart. This season is underway. I want to be on a positive tip. I want to be able to root for my damn team. The coach ain't doing that bad a job. It's just that he's hard to swallow because of pass and all the rest of that kind of stuff, so I get it. I'm laying all this on Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I got on the air last week, and I drank the Kool-Aid and all that kind of stuff. I can't spit it out, and I'm keeping the converse, but I'm glad that the poison didn't kill me because it's just like we already knew going into the game what this was about. He don't have the strongest arm in the world, but I heard something that he said going, coming out of training camp that it looks like it's still bothering him. Just throw the damn ball, man. You know, you, don't worry about overthrowing your players. You got to be able to show a force. And once that dude got that ball thrown a little bit short of Trey Tucker, he couldn't complete that ball, Buffalo knew they had us. I believe that's when the game changed because they knew they were going to be able to crunch Mm -hmm. in on the box, shut down our running lanes, and just stay disciplined in the middle of the field with their linebackers because they got linebackers of that high quality. And and Jimmy wasn't going to do that in the body. He should have spread their team the way they did ours. Little simple running backs out of the backfield. Use the pass game to run the ball. But he didn't do it, and it was experience versus youth, and he lost that battle in prime time. That's what bothers me. So I'm hoping that he would get his ass off his shoulders this week because we've got to come in there and protect the house against Pittsburgh. Luckily, we get out of there one-on-one, one, so we still, quote-unquote, technically in first place. But all that means nothing, man, if we don't just win. Get out there and use your damn tools. I don't know why they still went away from Trey mm-hmm. Tucker, but that was his assignment. They had no answer for that kid. He mm-hmm. should have been a, a, a household name today. That's all good, JT. I know I'm talking way too long, but I had to get a little bit off of my chest because I'm a big mouth. I deserve to get my eyes kicked. I'm going to see what I'm looking at you, Doc.
0: Take care. Raider man Check it in here. A lot of things they didn't do in the game. I like Trey Tucker on that sweep. That was a big game there. I thought there was a pass interference on Trey Tucker. Uh, Here come the refs. Here come the refs. They picked up. There should have been a pass interference. It was caught. I heard Vinny this morning talk about it, a play that was reportedly uncatchable but was caught. And he was out of bounds, but it should have been a pass interference. I don't know how that was picked up. Uh, Devontae made a couple of good catches. I'm good with Devontae. Whatever the number is for Devontae, give me two more targets. If he gives, gets 12, give me 14. If he gets 9, give me 11. That's the, the world I live by. you got Devontae bleeping Adams. Get him the ball. And when you're sitting there on fourth and goal or third and goal, get him the ball. The double team does not affect Devontae Adams. And if he is double teamed, Hunter Renfro, do you know how many videos we have of Hunter Renfro with the shake and bake at the goal line where he's able to get off and, and get him the ball quickly? I think jimmy, Jimmy's jimmy got to move more outside the pocket on sprints where he's moving away from T.J. Watt at a very fast pace and the ball's coming out quickly. He's not going to have time to sit back in the pocket and just plan himself there and wait for Devontae to get 30 yards downfield against T.J. Watt. Not going to happen. They got a good pass rush, but I think they can move the pocket. They can chip and double TJ Watt and give Jimmy the opportunity to let the ball fly and give me more Hunter Renfro and more Trey Tucker. Give me the guys I know can catch the ball, make the plays, and be explosive in the passing game. That's what I want to see coming up. Keldon in Lancaster, California. Thanks for waiting. You're up next. Hey, JT, how you
5: doing? Hey, good, thanks. hey just, just one uh, performance again. Uh I think one of the main problems is our defense. Uh, again, you know, we don't have no, teams, no no team speed on that side of the ball. Uh, we need some linebackers that can go side to side. And I think it's time for us to, act, you know, activate these, these two rookies, uh, uh, Chris Smith, the safety out of Georgia, mm-hmm. and uh, Bernie, the fast linebacker yeah. out of Florida. It's time for us to get those two guys on the field so we can get a little more team speed on that side of the ball. Um and, you know, maybe maybe that might get us going. And then, you know, Josh Jacobs, you know, can, can we set him down for a couple – he's not in shape for one thing. Josh Jacobs is not in football shape right now because of the holdout. Uh, he's he's like, like he's stuck in quicksand. Uh, he's not hitting the holes fast. He's not in good shape. I think we need to set down Josh Jacobs for a couple of weeks until he can get in better shape.
0: Well, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna want to do that, my friend. I got to run. I'm out of time. Uh, I don't think he's gonna want to sit and say because you think he's out of shape. Is, does he have the burst that he had in the, last year when he was at his best? Probably not. That, that's going to take a little bit. I don't think he's had any holes to run through. Minus two yards means there was nothing there, and Buffalo blew up the line of scrimmage. Blew it up. Just watch the tape of the game again. I did, and you'll have a chance to do that this week. And notice what the Buffalo Bills defensive tackles do in their line compared to the Raiders' line. It's night and day. Other than Max Crosby, they have guys who are animals, angry. Did you see the emotion they were showing when they were stopping Jacobs? They were ready to blow up the game, and they were able to do it. Give them credit for that. Meet up Vegas. Best of Las Vegas. Vote for them. Fuel your game with the championship meets. I love everything that they have. The premium, boneless... Skinless chicken breasts. Buy it now. Meetup Vegas. The new cowboy variety pack, which is fantastic. 32 pounds of meat. Meetupvegas.com. Code word JT Brick.
3: Action fake. Mayava steps up, throws deep down the middle of the field. He's got an open
4: man. Ricky wide the five touchdown. Jacob DeJesus with the bomb gets the rebels the lead back. A strike from Jade Mayava off the play
0: action fake. A big time play when it's needed. The rebel offense comes through. Oh, rebels radio. I was thinking of Jersey Joe Harrow, their former great running back. Their former quarterback Steve Stripped Stallworth. Let them know I'm talking about them. They're my friends, and when the Rebels win, I'm excited. Good win for them. That game got away from them. They had a lead. They gave up the lead, but they found a way to close out. Excellent win for Coach Odom. I want to spend more time on Deion Sanders. I was pulling for Jay Norvell, friend of the show. Jay Norvell did enough to beat Colorado and Colorado, but 16 penalties. They gave up a bomb at the end of the game. You can't give up a bomb when you're up by eight. They had Deion beat. They had him beat. Beat beat. That would have been Colorado State's massive win this year. It was just awful to see him lose that way and Dion, everyone's on the bandwagon. Everyone. I am not. I am not on Deion Sanders' bandwagon. Why the hell would I be on Deion Sanders' bandwagon? Some of my buddies, Scotty Gertner, Mike Pritchard, Colorado alumni, Las Vegas golfer, Brady Cannon's kid went there. Great story. I didn't grow up a cowboy fan and a Niner fan with Dion. Okay, I root for Charles Woodson and Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. I don't wake up in the morning praying at the altar of Deion Sanders and hoping he wins every game. Get get out of here with that crap. I didn't go to Colorado so I don't root for Colorado football every game they play. I know it's a unique story, but I'm not on the bandwagon. Uh, let's go Raider O quickly. i got to get you guys up here. Raider O, what's happening?
6: Hey, what's up, JT? As quick as I can. Um, you know, I thought the offense was, was really where we needed to be stronger. I was really appalled at uh, how many times when you look at some of the big plays against us, um, guys were getting right by Andre James uh, to a lesser degree van Rowan and Dylan Parham. But mm-hmm. the middle we tried to go toe-to-toe with some of the best defensive tackles in the game, and they were outmatched. Um, I also thought Josh was a little slow in his giddy-up to get, mm-hmm. out, get out of the backfield. And, you know, I thought that really um, – negated our ability to keep the ball in a, you know, what was a great situation to start the game. Maybe a poor decision by Jimmy to throw the pass on the screen instead of taking the sack knowing we were up, but uh, you know, I think he was trying to make a play. It just didn't go our way.
1: Mm-hmm. On
6: defense, um, I saw us a lot of times getting almost there with the pressure, and that's an unfortunate trend for us, but you know, I feel like some of the blitzes were called at the right time, and we just went in too hard. Easier said than done to play with control there. But if we can make some correction there, you might come up with some of those plays. They were often on money down. I also thought Buffalo did a good job of targeting Jacorian Bennett. You know, he just looked the way a rookie looks. I'm not saying he's not going to get better, but that was a big part of extending their uh, drives. Last thing, it wasn't a great officiated game. I felt like, uh, you know, Nate Hobbs, uh, um, pass interference, to me, looked like he got taken down. And right. again, we see another turnover reversed by. Uh, a call that didn't need to be called away from the play. You know, it sucks. Mm. But that's bad officiating. That's for us to be concerned with. For the team, I think they got to look themselves in the mirror, and uh, every player needs to say, I need to improve so that we yes. come out in our home opener and
0: get No them. doubt about it. Got to run. Appreciate the call. Raider 66, get in. I owe you more time tomorrow. I want to get you up here before the top. What do you got?
2: No problem,
6: JT. I'll make it real
2: quick. Uh, I'll end it on
6: a positive note. Uh, you know, who would have had us 2-0 and anyway at the, after two games at the beginning of the season? And a lot of the media would have had us 0-2. So we're 1-1, and thanks to that division win over Denver, we are actually in first place in the AFC West. That being said, uh, we do have some issues uh, this last game showed. Now, Buffalo gave us the blueprint. They were embarrassed, committing turnovers with a loss, going into their home opener. They went to work. They refocused and had energy. That is the test yep. of this team and this staff has right now. I'm looking to see how they respond.
0: Thank you, my friend. Head on out to La Casa Cigars at Tivoli Village. I have a cigar partner, a great cigar room, a Raider fan running it. I need a cigar. I need multiple cigars and a nice cocktail or beverage. La Casa Cigars, great place for Thursday night football. You'll find me there at Tivoli Village. Great job by Bobby today, Sam Munson. Harry Ruiz from the headquarters of the Raiders. See you tomorrow. Q's coming up next with a big show.